If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Ephesians chapter number 6. And uh, let me just say, if you walked in and you did not receive the notes, you can go ahead and just raise your hand and the ushers will see that hand and uh, give you the notes for the sermon this morning. And that's, that way, as we, as we study God's Word together, we can follow along, we can write down some of the thoughts that maybe the Holy Spirit brings into our minds and into our hearts as we study God's Word together. And I believe even in the live stream, there's a link that you can click on, and, uh, and that way it should bring up the notes that way, and you can follow along as we, as we learn and as we grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter number 6 and we're going to continue our series on Back to Basics. And uh, this, uh, this year of 2021, uh, we've started with this theme of getting back to basics. If there's anything that we've learned during a pandemic is that uh, there are some basic needs that we have as people. And it's amazing how many things can be closed, how many restaurants, how many stores, and Life will go on and life is going to be just fine, but there are some basic needs that uh, we need to have uh, as people, as a society. And the same is true for us as Christians. There are some basic needs in our Christian life that we must uh, have if we're going to walk uh, in this journey that we call the Christian life. And so uh, we've been uh, going through some of these truths. We talk about uh, giving so far. We've talked about the Bible. We've talked about just the Christian life in general. And uh, this morning we want to talk about the area of prayer. Uh, it is a and essential in the Christian life to have a life of prayer. Every Christian ought to have a life of prayer. And so this morning we're going to dive into Ephesians chapter number 6, and we're going to learn a little bit about this area of the Christian life, the area that is the prayer life. And I want you to notice, we'll start in verse number 10, but we're going to really focus on verse number 18 in this morning's study. And the reason we're going to start in verse number 10 is that if you've grown up in church, this is a, a rather popular passage. It's one that's uh, probably uh, been preached on many, many, many times. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a passage that really speaks to the, the Christian as to his walk, his daily walk, and uh, really the, the basic armor that we have. This is the passage that teaches us as Christians that we are in a spiritual battle. There is spiritual warfare that is going on every day, and we're part of that. And uh, the, the Word of God teaches us that we have been given an armor by God. The moment that we get saved, an armor so that we might fight in this spiritual warfare. And, uh, and so in verse number 10, it kind of starts with that. And, and the Apostle Paul, he writes this. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, 
taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And here's our verse and our text for this morning. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's pray as we get started. Father, I ask that this morning as we get into your word, that first of all, you'd fill me with your spirit. Help me to communicate the message this morning that you have placed on my heart. I pray that it would speak to us, that it would challenge us, that we in our Christian life would apply the truths of this on prayer. I pray that your Holy Spirit would not only uh, enlighten us and illuminate us, but Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to be able to apply these truths into our lives. May this not be just something that stays as head knowledge, but, but help us, Father, to experience what a true prayer life can bring uh, and, and experience the victory that comes with this kind of life. And so, Father, I pray that you would now bless these next few minutes as we're in your word. Help us to grow in this time and help us to be, uh, become closer to you, become stronger in our faith as a result. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when it comes to the Christian life, we encompass so much. Uh, there is part of the Christian life what I would call the material side, right? The, the material side of the Christian life happens in the physical world. In the physical side of the Christian life, the material side, it's, it's the side of the, of the Christian life, the area where we kind of help the needy by supplying their needs, right? If someone is hungry, we give them food to eat. If someone is cold, we give them a, a coat to keep them warm. We, we try to meet the physical needs that are out there, and that's part of the material side of the Christian life. We, we learn to build relationships with people in this uh, side of the Christian life. We talk to people. We share with them the gospel. We, we might uh, uh, have uh, dinner with them and get to know them. We, we might have fellowships together. We might have just some, uh, 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 some companionship uh, when it comes to the Christian life in the material side of the Christian life. But the Christian life is more than just those things. It's more than just the works that we do. It's more than just what happens in the physical world. There's also the emotional side of the Christian life. And in the emotional side of the Christian life, we encourage one another. We edify one another. We exhort one another. Uh, the Bible says that we are to, to do this on an emotional level, sympathizing with one another and empathizing with one another. We do this by maybe writing a letter to someone and encouraging them through that way or, or maybe even giving them a hug and, and uh, just telling them you're, you're there for them. And, and uh, it, just the emotional side of the Christian life is, is so important and it's, and it's part of our walk uh, with Christ. But then there is the spiritual side of the Christian life. And in the spiritual side of the Christian life, we, we see two major areas. We see, number one, the Word of God. And we've, we've talked about this already, so I won't spend too much time on it. But in the, with the Word of God, we, we get to know who God is. Uh, we allow God to speak to us. It's through the Word of God that we find that God is forgiving. And so we are to forgive one another. We find that God is loving and we are to love 
one another. We, we learn that uh, God is holy and we ought to live holy, separated lives. And, and we learn a lot through the Word of God. But another area of the spiritual side of the Christian life is this area that is the prayer life. It's this area in which we spend time with God talking with Him, worshiping Him. In this area in which we just spend time with God. It is one of the most spiritual exercises of the Christian life. In fact, it's purely spiritual. I think that's what makes prayer such a difficult thing sometimes in our life. I think it's pretty easy sometimes to see someone that is hungry and give them some food. In fact, you don't have to be a Christian to do that. I I know many people that are not Christians that have been able to do that. Uh, It's easy for someone to see uh, someone in need and, and supplying that need. You don't really have to be a Christian to do that. So, Part of the Christian life isn't something that can only be done by Christians. Others have done it, though the best model of that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And the one that empowers and brings fruit from those works is God. But yet that's, that's something that others can do on the physical side and the material side of, the, of, of life in the Christian life especially. And when it comes to empathizing with people, when it comes to the emotional side, we can also do that. But when it comes to the spiritual side, it's something that only Christians can do because it's a spiritual exercise. The Bible says that before you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, our spirit is dead. There is no relationship with God. There is no spiritual life. In fact, the Bible teaches us that when Adam and Eve first sinned, in that moment, the Bible says that they died. Now, they didn't die physically. They didn't die emotionally but they died spiritually. God told them, the moment that you eat of the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, that day you will die. And that day they did die. They died spiritually. And so when it comes to prayer, first of all, you need to be a Christian. You need to have your spirit revived. And that's why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creation. We have been given new life in Christ. And that's why uh, you might hear people say that go to church or that are saved, they might say, you've been born again, right? Because we've been given a new life. And in that new life, we can now understand the word of God. First Corinthians chapter two says that the natural man cannot understand the truths of God's word. There's only one truth that someone that is not a Christian can understand. And that is their need for a savior. It's, it's the knowledge of knowing that they are sinful, that they need forgiveness, and that there is only one that can bring forgiveness, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the one truth that the unbeliever can understand. And the moment that he puts his faith in Jesus Christ and becomes a believer, now the rest of the wonderful truths of God are something that they can understand. And in that is the spiritual life of prayer a purely spiritual exercise. Now, this area of the Christian life of prayer is kind of like the engine that gets the Christian life moving. Now, I don't know how much you know about engines. I don't know very much. So I had a look online and Google helped me out big time. And let me tell you what Google says. 
Google says that when it comes to engines, and I'm talking about car engines, the, the, uh, the combustion engine, uh, the internal combustion engine is what they call it, uh, is it's a, it's a mixture. The, what happens is, is there's a chemical process that creates energy, and it's mixed with fuel and air, and when the air comes in by the ignition, by that spark plug on that first one, you can see the first diagram, what happens is a, a piston actually moves up and compresses that air and that fuel. Well, when you compress it, it causes like a little bomb to go off, an explosion, and that moves the piston to go down, and it cranks the shaft, and suddenly there's energy and there's power, and, and through that, the exhaust of that, it begins to turn on the engine. You connect that with a fuel injection system and a transmission and all of these other uh, systems that go together in the car. And eventually, these pistons moving and this chemical reaction that is happening begins to move these tires. And suddenly, you're driving down the road. All because of this engine that turned on and started moving. You know, that's what prayer does for the Christian. When you exercise your spiritual discipline of prayer, it, what it begins to turn on this engine for you in your Christian life, and suddenly you begin to move in your Christian life. Suddenly things begin to change. Suddenly your understanding begins to grow, and, and the Christian life becomes something joyful, something exciting, something new in your life. And that's why it's so important for us to have a prayer life as Christians. You know, I find that there are many Christians today, many that come to church and many that, uh, that uh, take part on the material side of the Christian life and the emotional side of the Christian life, but many that are lacking in the spiritual side of the Christian life. And though they do some of the material and the emotional, they don't find true joy in the Christian life. In other words, they're not really happy. They're not really growing. They, don't, they, they, they view the Christian life as something like they have to do. And on Sunday morning, it's kind of like, oh, I got to get up and go to church. Instead of, hey, we're going to church. Church is exciting. Why is this exciting? Because I have an opportunity to grow. I, I have an opportunity to learn, to, to have some understanding. And, and the spiritual discipline of prayer gets you ready. It gets the engine moving. And that's why it's so important. That's why it's a basic essential in the Christian life. So this morning, I just want to give you fivefold parts, if you will, of this area of prayer that Paul gives here in Ephesians chapter 6. Now, as I've said, the context of this is Paul is telling the Christians in Ephesus, he's saying, listen, when it comes to the Christian life, you're in spiritual warfare, Okay, there are uh, evil spirits that are trying to prevent you from living for God. There are uh, spiritual wickedness in high places that want to deceive you, that want to make you doubt, that want to make you to be fearful and, and to, uh, to, to begin to manipulate your mind and get you believing something that the word of God never says. There are those that are actively trying to stop us from living the Christian life. Those that want us to get bitter, those that want us to gossip, those that want us to, uh, to really bring down the work of God and try to stop the kingdom of God from moving forward. And so to battle that, God says, I'm going to arm you with myself, right? He's given us his word as a sword of the spirit. He's given uh, Christ as our breastplate of righteousness. He's given uh, Christ as the helmet of, of salvation. He's given us a total armor of God so that we can be in the spiritual warfare, 
But then, Paul says, but then I want you to, to really zone in into what's going to make this armor work. It's not enough just to have a suit of armor. Uh, you might have some of this in your closet. Uh, I know I have a few things like this in my closet that is camouflage. But just because I have chemo uh, a camouflage shirt or pants and, and maybe even have some uh, soldier boots, that doesn't really make me a soldier, right? Until I deploy, until I enlist in the army or the marines and they deploy me into some certain uh, battle or some sort of, uh, station uh, to defend my, my country, then I'm really not a soldier, though I might dress as a soldier and have the uniform of a soldier. I'm still not living like a soldier. You can have the whole armor of God. You might be saved this morning, but without prayer in your life, you're not fighting spiritual warfare. You're not really experiencing all that the Christian life has for you. So I want you to notice that Paul says, now, after I've given you the armor, let me tell you what you need to do with that armor. Let me tell you how you're going to get activated. And he says in verse uh, 18, first of all, he says, praying always, he says, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. I want you to notice, first of all, that he talks about the kinds of prayer. It almost sounds like Paul is being repetitive when he says, praying always with all prayer, like, you know. It's almost like saying, being strong with all strength. Okay, yeah, that's like repeating yourself, right? But he's not. Because when it comes to prayer, it's more than just saying some words. Uh, prayer is kind of like that engine. It's, it's more than just one piston doing one thing. It's, it's a whole system uh, that, that turns on here. And so Paul says, you need to understand that there are many kinds of prayer. Now, prayer has been defined in many ways. Prayer can be defined as talking to God, and that would be correct. Prayer can be defined as asking God. That's correct. When you take time to pray, you're asking God for things. Some have defined prayer as confessing and thanking God. That's correct. That's what you do in prayer. You can thank God and you can confess to God. But you know, Prayer is more than just an act of simple faith, of just saying some words. Prayer is more than that. You see, the overall purpose of prayer is to be worshipful. It's to be worshipful in our life. Uh, prayer is meant, first of all, so that we might have this fellowship with God to worship Him. Now, that's why it's so important in your daily life to have a time of prayer. That's why it's so important when we come to church, we have prayer. We have prayer at the beginning of the service. We have prayer at the end of the service. We have prayer in the middle of the service. Why? Why do we do that? Is it just because we need to fill some time up and it's, you know, oh man, it's 1137. Well, what are we going to do? Let's just pray. That'll kill some time. That's not why we pray, okay? That's not. Then why do we pray? Because it's a form of worship. Just like singing is a form of worship. Just like Reading and studying God's word, it's a form of worship. So is prayer. Prayer is a form of worship. And Paul says, listen, we need to pray always with all prayer. The Greek word that he uses here is prosiki, which literally means to worship. We're to worship God when we pray to him. We're to adore him, to magnify him. That's why it's so important. When you're, when you're taking time to pray, you ought to take some time to just stop and confess to God who he is. Today is Valentine's Day. 
on Valentine's Day, it's always a special day for couples, right? For single people, it's like, oh, really? We have to do this? But for married couples or for dating couples, you're kind of like, this is a big day. This is the day where you tell that significant other how much they mean to you, right? You start telling them how beautiful they are and how wonderful they are. And, and you start talking about everything that you love about them. And when they tell, tell you everything they love about you, man, you feel good. It's not something that you go, oh, stop it. I don't want to hear you say how great I am anymore. We don't do that. We love that. Kind of makes Valentine's Valentine's. Do you know in your time of prayer, it ought to be a Valentine's Day with you and God? It's a time to stop and think and say, God, I can't believe you're as forgiving as you are. It's amazing how forgiving God is. It's amazing to think how loving God is. It's amazing to think how faithful God is. Listen, time of prayer ought to be a time to say, God, you are faithful. God, you're powerful. I mean, just to stop and to think, and we, we showed a video a few weeks ago about our universe and the size of the stars, and it's just amazing. It's mind-boggling. I mean, our, our minds can't even comprehend how big God is, how powerful God is. And a time of prayer is a time where you say, God, I worship you today because of who you are. It's a time of worship. In fact, Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6. You can see it in your notes. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, he said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine, he says, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Jesus said, listen, you need to magnify the Lord your God in prayer. It's a, it's a worshipful thing to do. Every Christian ought to take time every day to worship God in prayer. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of you just stopping for a little bit and meditating on him and worshiping him. But I want you to know that Paul says, now, we're to pray and worship God, praying always by worshiping him. And then he says, and supplication. Now, for most of us, supplication isn't the difficult part of prayer. Supplication means to be asking. And uh, if I'm honest, many times I can find myself guilty of taking about 30 minutes of asking and about two minutes of worshiping. But can I say prayer involves supplication okay if you're taking 30 minutes asking it's okay it's something that God says I want you to ask me I want you to have this time of supplication to me listen I, I as a father of a of a of a six-year-old and a five-year-old listen I can tell you I love it when they're asking me for stuff now I can't always give them all they want but Jesus said listen if you as earthly people that are not perfect know how to give to your children good stuff, and you love for them to ask you how much more someone that is perfect, someone that loves more than you could ever love your son. Jesus, that, that's why I want you to ask. Prayer is about this time of supplication. The Greek word here is deesis, which means a petition or request. 
The command is, I want you to worship, and we ought to worship God through prayer. And, Paul said, through supplication. This is something specific. This is a special request that you might have of God. In the Lord's Prayer that we just read, Jesus said, and give us this day our daily bread. That's a specific request. Jesus is teaching us, you ought to ask for God to provide food for you. And when he does, thank him for that food. This is why, if you're wondering why we pray at restaurants before, you, uh, before we eat, it's to thank God and say, God, we've asked for food and you've provided. Thank you for this food that you have provided. It's a specific request and it's one that was specifically answered. And God says, in your time of prayer and in my time of prayer, we ought to be specifically asking for things. You ought to be specifically asking. First uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1, there in your notes, Paul told Timothy, I exhort therefore that, first of all, supplications, prayers, that's the same word as the first word of prayers, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Listen, God says, I want you to ask. The kinds of prayer that we are to pray is, one, a worshipful prayer, magnifying who he is, but also prayers of supplication. There's a really easy acrostic that, that you can use when you're praying if it helps you. If, you, if, you're, if you're like me and sometimes you need an outline, uh, they're, they're, the word acts is a great acrostic. A, standing for adoration. C, standing for confession. T, standing for thanksgiving, and S, standing for supplication. The word acts. Just go through that and say, okay, God, I'm going to take time, first of all, to adore you. Second of all, I'm going to take time to confess. Thirdly, I'm going to take time to thank you. And lastly, I'm going to take time to ask. And what we would call supplication, asking God. God said, that's what I want from you. The Christian life is a life that should have prayer. It's an essential part of our walk of faith. We're to worship God in prayer. We're to ask God for prayer. Let me ask you something. How was your prayer life this week? What did you magnify God about? Or maybe even this morning, on a day like today, which is Valentine's, we may have said to our spouse, I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. But I wonder, have we done that with God today yet? Can I encourage you, take time today and just worship God in prayer. Take time today and ask for something specific of God. Because God says, that's what I want you to do in prayer. A prayer that is worshipful, a prayer that has supplication but then Paul says, notice, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication, verse 18. And then he says, in the spirit. Now we see the communicator of prayer. Not just the kinds of prayer, Paul says, but then the communicator of prayer. See, we're not to pray just in our own strength and in our own power. In fact, whether we worship uh, or whether we're praying in supplication, we're to pray in the spirit. It is through the control and power of the Holy Spirit that we're supposed to pray. And this is number one because he is the intercessor. The Holy Spirit is our intercessor. In other words, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Look at Romans chapter 8 there in your notes. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought. 
But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Simply what Paul is saying is the Holy Spirit is our intercessor. He says what we cannot say with words. He conveys what we cannot convey with our emotions. He's the one who knows our new nature and and pleads on its behalf. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you and for me. And so in this time of prayer, it's a spiritual exercise. It's not something that you and I, you know, feel actively like we're doing something, but we are. It's what's getting the engine ready for us to move. Without it, we're just standing still, not seeing any, any difference, not going anywhere, not experiencing anything in the Christian life, but with prayer. Suddenly, the communicator of prayer, the Holy Spirit, begins to intercede for us and begins to share what we cannot share and do what we cannot do on our own. But he's also the, the, the processor, not only the intercessor, but the processor. He's the one that guides us in our prayers. Notice verse 27 in Romans 8, he says, he, searches, he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one that is leading us. Now, he doesn't he doesn't overtake us. He doesn't, uh, you know, overthrow our mental faculties. You, you don't get in a trance and, uh, and just start saying things when you're praying uh, without even understanding what you're saying. No. The Holy Spirit, what he does is begins to guide you in your prayer. It's the Holy Spirit that begins to bring uh, verses to your mind during that prayer that apply to the requests that you're asking, or he brings verses to mind that describe who God is as you're adoring him. And suddenly when you're saying, God, you're so faithful. And as sincere as we might say that, the Spirit says it with even more sincerity. And the Spirit transmit what our words cannot and what our heart cannot, even though we're broken, even though many times we might be praying with tears, the intercession of the, of the Holy Spirit begins to take our minds and process what we bring to God. And so we find that there is a communicator in prayer. And the, the Apostle Paul says to those Christians in Ephesus, listen, you ought to pray with all praying and supplication in the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God guide you. Let the Spirit of God intercede for you. Listen, this truth alone will change your prayer life. When you can understand, listen, it's the, it's the Holy Spirit that you need during that time of prayer. It's the Holy Spirit. You need to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you help me not to think about, you know, my to-do list today while I'm here talking with God? I don't know about you, but uh, if you've ever gone somewhere, right, uh, maybe checking into a hotel or being at a restaurant, when you're talking with someone, you don't like for them to be like, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I, I understand you. No, that's, that's a legitimate complaint. And just looking around everywhere like they're really not interested in anything you're saying, right? So many times in our prayer life, what the devil tries to do is he starts bringing to our minds what you're going to do, right? Later this week, hey, don't forget, you got to pick up milk. Don't forget, you need to go and uh, you, you're going to buy that thing for that person. And, and uh, don't forget at work, you got to call this person and that person. You have this client that's waiting for you. And suddenly, in that time of prayer, it just turns into a time of remembering all your to-do 
And that's why you have to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you help me and guide me not to think about those things, but to really focus on what this time of worship is and this time of asking is. And the Holy Spirit begins to do that in our lives. He is the intercessor and the processor. He's, he's the communicator for us in prayer. And Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And then notice what he says next. He says there in verse 18, and watching thereunto. This is the condition in prayer. The Apostle Paul says we ought to pray in the Spirit, but we're also to pray with the right mindset or condition. See, prayer is not just to be done mindlessly. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7, Jesus said, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. In other words, Jesus said you're not just to be saying the same prayer all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Now, I don't know about you, but I fall into this trap all the time when I'm praying for my food. Anybody have like a really go-to prayer, right? Jesus, thank you for this food. Thank you for providing. Amen. And like every time. I did it so much that my two little boys, that's how they pray. Every time they have to pray for the food, it's the same exact prayer every time. Now, for a six-year-old and a five-year-old, that's pretty understandable. But not for a 37-year-old. Not for someone that has an active relationship with Christ, you, you, you ought to have a prayer life that's more than just repetition. It ought to be something that is growing. You see, in the condition of prayer, first of all, we ought to be attentive. Attentive. See, Paul said, and you ought to watch thereunto. The Greek word is agripneo, which means sleepless or staying awake. Paul says, when you're praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and the Spirit's guiding you and interceding for you, now you need to be watching. Man, this is so important for us to be attentive. Because you know that the spiritual life and the spiritual warfare is a spiritual, it's, it's a serious life. You know, that world is more real than our world. And it's hard for us to comprehend that. It's hard for us sometimes to think about that. But the spiritual world is actually much more real than our world, than the physical world. It's where the, the heavy lifting gets done. It's in the spiritual realm where really the battle is happening. It's in the spiritual realm where the devil uh, takes so many people down and destroys their life. And that's why Jesus said you ought to be attentive. That's why the Apostle Paul reminded those Christians in Ephesus, you ought to be watchful. You remember in the Garden of, of Eden? I mean, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, sorry, Garden of Gethsemane, when, when Jesus was praying before he was crucified? What did he tell the disciples? He said, watch. Watch and pray with me. That word watch is the same word that's used here by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6. It means stay awake. It means to be attentive. The condition of prayer ought to be one that is attentive to the Lord Jesus Christ. Attentive to what the Holy Spirit is leading us to and interceding for us. You see in Matthew chapter 26, it's there in your notes, verse 40. Jesus comes unto the disciples and he findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch, there's that word again, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. 
The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Listen, the condition of prayer is one to be watchful. You and I ought to be watchful, attentive in our prayer. But not only attentive, we ought to be active. This word implies action. To be sleepless, in other words, to not be able to go to sleep, to stay awake, doesn't just mean to sit there awake doing nothing. No, no, no. The the idea is you're attentive and you're active. To be sleepless is to, to be doing something. We're not to be overcome in this attentiveness with worry or with doubt or with fear, but we're, we're to be engaged actively with the Spirit of God. To fight the evil forces, the, 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 the devil and his evil thoughts and his doubtful thoughts and his thoughts of fear. We ought to be battling that. That's why Paul said we battle against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's in the, in the spiritual realm where this happens. And if you're going to find victory in that realm, you've got to be attentive. You've got to be active in this time of prayer. But notice that the Apostle Paul also says that there is a commitment to prayer. He says in verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance. There is a commitment here that comes with prayer. If you're going to, if you're going to find victory in this area of your life, in this, in, in your Christian walk, you're going to have to have a commitment to your prayer. You see, when we pray, we must go to the utmost. The word perseverance means to go to whatever lengths that you need to go just to get it done, to endure, enduring through circumstances, through difficulties, One of the greatest generations that we always admire as Americans is that generation that went to war in World War II. If you study about many of the battles that they were in and many of the, the warfare that they experienced, you find that they had to persevere, many of them, through all kinds of difficulty. You read one of the biggest battles in World War II was uh, taking place in Bastogne there. They talk about how cold it was, and many of the soldiers didn't have enough bullets uh, to be firing their weapons. They didn't have shoes. Many of them uh, were getting gangrene and getting uh, trench foot, and, and many of them were having to battle uh, just different things in their body. But their call was to stay firm on the line and defend there and to fight. That's what the word perseverance means. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, as you pray, understand that you, you have to be one that is committed to this life of prayer. Be willing to go to the utmost for it. But it also means that you ought to be faithful in it. That word can communicate the idea that we ought to be faithful all the way till the end. Listen, prayer ought not to be an exercise that we, that we do because we're desperate. And so many times that's what prayer becomes, right? It's when they start saying, we're going to be laying off people here at work. <gasps> Pastor, would you pray? I mean, I need to pray this week. Suddenly, it's an exercise that we have when we feel desperate or cornered or in a tight spot. But Ephesians 6 says, no, no, no. Prayer is supposed to be something that you persevere in. 
in the tight spots of life, yes, but also in the good times of life. In those times when God is blessing us, we ought to persevere. That's why uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He said, pray without ceasing. That'll be something you, you do just every day. But let me just say, lastly, that Paul says we, we ought to pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance. And then he says, and supplication for all saints. There's a community for prayer. I think this is amazing when it comes to prayer. It's what's going to connect us as a church. It's what's going to bring you closer to someone that's sitting two pews behind you, two benches behind you. It's what's going to connect you to, to someone that's sitting on this side of the auditorium with someone on this side of the auditorium. It's prayer. Prayer is something that unites us. It's, there's a community in prayer. You see, prayer is not just to be uh, asking for my own needs, but also for the needs of others. Jesus said to pray, give us this day our daily bread, yes, what I need. But use the plural, our. Not just my daily bread, our daily bread. There's a community there. We are to pray, Jesus said, for one another. Why? Because in this community of prayer, we must be supportive of one another. Paul wanted the Christians in Ephesus to pray for those around them that were in need. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, he writes this. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul said, man, something that really brings me together, whether it's the people at Philippi or the people at Thessalonica or the people at Ephesus, all these churches, you know what, what, what binds me to you? is that I make mention of you in prayer. There's a community in this prayer that it's a bond that's not easily broken. You know, it's easier to love somebody that you're praying for. And that's why if you're having trouble with your boss at work, the way you solve that is not by taking a baseball bat to his car. Though you may feel like that. No. The best way to solve that relationship issue is to pray for him. If you're having a, 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 an issue with your spouse, if you're having an issue with your uncle or aunt, if you're having an issue with somebody, you know what the best thing to do? Pray for them. Because that prayer brings that support and brings that, that bond stronger and closer. That's why Paul said, listen, if you're going to get the engine of your Christian life moving forward, you're going to have to start it with prayer. There's no way around it. It's a spiritual exercise that gets you moving. I like a quote that I heard from F.B. Meyer when he was writing about Abraham. He said, prayer is the thing that moves the hand that moves the world. I can't move the world, no. But I know someone that can. And the way to access him is through prayer. That's the only way. 
We, we, we talk about, man, we need to change our society. Man, America needs to turn back to God. Let me ask you something. How much time did you pray this week for God to do that? Listen, I'm not against going down and, and protesting and saying, hey, we, we ought to do away with abortion. And, and it's all about pro-life and I'm, 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 I'm for that. And I'm for saying this is what God's word says and we ought to be active in our community. And I'm, I'm for that. I think we ought to be. Now I'm for someone saying, hey, we ought to have prayer back in schools. Absolutely. We, have, we ought to have more of the Bible in our public schools. Absolutely, I'm for that. But I'm wondering how much are we praying for that? Because you can get as active as you want, but if there's no prayer behind it, that engine isn't going anywhere. And that car is not moving anywhere. Someone said every prayer, every failure in the Christian life is a prayer failure. Because Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. If we're not seeing doors opened, it might be because we're really not praying for doors to be opened. We're not praying for the hand that can move to move. We think our determination can do it. If we have the right marketing strategy, we can do it. If we, if we can just, you know, have the right plan, we can do it. No. It's not the plan. It's the prayer behind the plan. We find that there's a community of prayer because we can support one another that also requires us to be mindful of others. Prayer keeps us thinking about the needs and the lives of others. Listen, it's a tendency of every person. I don't care who you are this morning. It's our tendency because we're people to get focused on ourselves. That's just, that's just the way it is. That's just a reality. To deny that, well, then we're lying to ourselves. It, it's, it's just our human nature. To get focused on what we think and what we need and what we want. But what prayer does is it gets us out of that mindset. And it gets us thinking of others. Being mindful of what they're going through. Let me ask you something. What was the last time that you prayed for someone this week? Someone else. Someone else's needs. And what did you pray for them about? And how much time did you spend asking God for them? You see, there's a community in prayer. And it's going to cause us to support one another, but it'll cause us to be mindful of one another. If there's division in a church, it's because there's a lack of prayer in that church. There's a lack of bonding in that church, but prayer can create the ties that keep us together. That's why prayer is basic in the Christian life. That's why prayer is so important in the Christian life. And I can say, honestly, every one of us, whether we're watching through the live stream or whether we're here in person, we all can work on our prayer life. I don't think God would be too angry if we decided just to spend a little bit more time with him. I don't think he would be upset if we, if we asked him to do something that only he can do. This morning, when you look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, we find that it's that engine. It gets us going because the prayer life of a Christian touches every area 
of the Christian life. It's the most spiritual thing you can do this week. The most spiritual thing. It's taking time to pray. But the question for us today is, will you decide to make prayer part of your Christian life? I mean, will you take time to engage in this spiritual discipline, in this exercise? Paul says, praying always, that is, praying with all prayer, worshiping God, adoring God, confessing, thanking God. But then he says in supplication, that's asking God. He said, praying always with all prayer, asking and adoring in the spirit. That's the communicator of prayer. And watching, that's the condition of prayer. We've got to be attentive. We've got to be active with all perseverance, being committed to this thing of prayer and supplication. That's the community of all saints. That's what binds us. It touches every area of the Christian life. And this morning, my challenge is simple. It's what's been challenged to me by the Spirit, and that is, let's make this week a week of prayer. Let's make this month a month of prayer. Let's make our life a life of prayer. Last Sunday was a pretty big Sunday. It's a Sunday where most friends get together and families get together. And the thing that brings them together is this one game called the Super Bowl. And last week in the Super Bowl, this quarterback, Tom Brady, won his seventh Super Bowl championship. It was the 10th one he's played in, seven that he has won. Do you know he has by himself more Super Bowls than any team combined in the, in the NFL? More than any team, more than the Cowboys, they only have five, the Steelers have six. More than any team in the NFL, he's got seven by himself. And if you've ever watched Tom Brady play, you'll know he's not the fastest guy on the field. In fact, they say he's actually pretty slow. <laughs> he's not the most athletic guy. He's not the strongest guy on the field. He doesn't have these qualities of a superhuman athlete. And yet he's won more than anybody else in the NFL. And people have asked why, what really contributes to the success of Tom Brady? And many really point out one thing, and that's his discipline. Do you know that uh, there's a website and you can Google it if you want, a life in the day of Tom Brady. Do you know that Tom Brady goes to bed at 8.30 every night and wakes up at 5.30? And it's interesting what he said in this interview as he was sharing uh, with uh, the interviewer about his day, he said, I don't go to bed at 1 a.m. and wake up at 5 and say, let's see if I can get this done today. He said, no, because my career is so important and I think I make a lot of it. He said, I, I get up and I, I'm disciplined. He said, I wouldn't call them sacrifices. He said, but rather concessions for my job. He said, I love what I do and I want to do it for a long time. And it's because of that, I'll go to bed early and I'll wake up early. He says this, he says, sometimes it's hard to cut things out. For me, where I cut, he says, are places like my friends. They probably, he says, don't get as much of my time as they used to when I was growing up. He said, I've had to make that concession and say, I can't hang out with you to all hours of the night. I have to go to bed because my job's important. And I have to, I have to be disciplined if I'm going to be great and find success. When it's time to eat there, 
in the Brady household, Brady, he says he's not going to eat what you're probably eating, what you and I probably eat. You can read about his restrictive diet, but some of the things in his diet, he says, well, he doesn't eat sugar, white flour, olive oil, iodized salt, tomatoes, peppers, mushrooms, eggplants, all caffeine or dairy products. He won't eat them. No ice cream, no strawberries. I don't know how the guy lives. And if he lives, he can't be that happy. Even with seven Super Bowls, he can't be that happy not eating like that, right? He is so restrictive on himself. And it's interesting what he says. He says, I have to make different choices. There's not a lot of 43-year-olds playing quarterback in the NFL. So you got to do things a little bit differently. He said, I try not to eat all that sugar. And he says, it's hard in our American diet to do that. But I discipline myself so that I can win. Do you know what we need as Christians? That discipline in our prayer life. You want to live and experience that kind of success in your Christian life? It's going to require us to be disciplined in this thing called prayer. Which is why Paul said, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watch thereunto with all perseverance and supplication to all saints. This morning, let's make a decision to say, man, we, we want to have success. We want to see God do something. God, start with me in my prayer life. And let's just see what God will do in 2021. I guarantee you, if we do that, our church will become stronger. Our bond and our love for one another will be that much tighter. And God will do some amazing things. I hope this year we can see that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love and for your care. Father, truly, as your word teaches us, you are a God unlike any other God a God that is full of love and forgiveness, a God that has redeemed us as we have sung about today. And truly, there is no one like you. There's no one that has loved us like you. There's no one that has sacrificed for us like you. God, God you're, you're amazing. And Father, I ask this morning that you would help us to be Christians that develop a life of prayer Father it's what our homes need and it's what our country needs and Father if I can say it it's what I need and I pray that as your people this morning we would make a decision to say we're going to develop a life of prayer a life where we worship you and ask of you. A life where we're led by the Spirit as we speak to you. One that continues and perseveres and one that is mindful and supportive of others. Oh my, may our life truly be a life of prayer. Work in every heart this morning. May that be our decision. May that be what we live out this week. May we experience the joy and the victory that comes 
in this spiritual exercise and discipline of prayer. May it be a reality in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.